All right. Well, here, here's the awesome part about this is that um, uh, the Lord, when he asks us to bring a word, he often asks that he, he wants us to embody it, right? And so um, here's, here's what I'm going to do with my 10 to 12 minute sermon. Um, <laughs> because now, now, we're, now I'm just going to be summarizing it. So uh, the, the, the passage that the Lord led me to for today, sorry, I, I'm just a visual person, so I like, I like that. Uh, that'll probably stick with you. Um, the, the passage that the Lord led me to today was maybe not what I would have expected him to lead me to for a celebration Sunday. Um, but what it was was a passage that highlights this main point, and so I'm going to share that with you right now, that we need to expect the unexpected from God when we submit our plans to him. And so that's, that's what's just happening right, right now. Um, and since I've worked on this sermon and preached it so many times, I think that I can trust him to give you a five-ish minute uh, summary of it. So uh, I am still going to read the scripture, which is Acts 16, verses 6 through 10. Um, so here we go. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once for Macedonia to leave, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So this is a story of Paul and his companions uh, really doing the exact same thing that, that we are doing right now. We just ended this uh, year of discipleship and we heard so many wonderful testimonies of how the Lord has worked. And now we're asking these questions of, okay, what's next? What are we doing as we enter into this next season? How is the Lord going to ask me or you or us to move forward in this discipleship journey? Who is he going to put in our path to disciple or to share the gospel with? And so we find ourselves at this point of asking the Lord, what are you doing now? Which is where Paul and his companions found themselves at there. Although I think that they thought that they had a plan. So if you can show the the next slide there. Um, Really quickly, I like maps and I like to be able to visualize like what was going on here. Um, So hopefully you can see this laser. So... Paul and his companions are traveling along this red line here and they get to this area right here where there's Derby, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch and that's where they're kind of situated for the first part of this passage. Uh, Paul joins up with some new companions like Timothy and they're preaching to the churches that Paul had already visited on his first missionary journey because this was his second and they're, they're going around strengthening the churches. They're seeing much fruit and much growth. And 
then they're saying, okay, well, what's next? Let's go to, where, where does it make sense to go? We're, we're kind of going in this direction. So Asia, right there. Let's go to Asia. There's lots of people there. It's a big region. It's, it's right where we're going. Um, and the Lord says, no. Okay, so they, they just kind of skirt around Asia, and then they get to this Asia, Bithynia. Okay, here's another, another region that's ripe for the gospel, right? So let's go there. And then the Lord says, no. And we don't know exactly how he said it, because I, I, as I was researching this, I was like, I wish that Luke who wrote this would have told us, like, how? What did the, the Spirit of Jesus say to these guys? Uh, but he doesn't really expand on it. Um, he just says, the Lord said no. He said, don't go there, don't go there. And so, as I've been asking the Lord, like, what is the message that you have for us in here? I, I heard a lot of the, a lot of your testimonies that really um, highlighted this. Um, especially the one that stood out to me was yours, Max, about, you know, that the Lord has asked you to change your career path and go back to school and you, you haven't really felt like, man, what am I doing here? The Lord is just kind of leading, but you don't really know what he, where he's going and you're just following. And um, so Paul and his companions did that also. They had this plan and the Lord said, no, no. But then he has this vision of this man in Macedonia. And you can see from this map where they were in this area. Macedonia isn't exactly next to where they were. They had to travel all the way over here and over way onto the other corner of this map. So it wasn't like, hey, we're really close to Macedonia, so let's just go there tomorrow, right? Um, I, I imagine that they might have been asking the Lord, why do you have this Macedonia for us when they we're passing by? all of these other areas that we thought we'd go to. But Paul and his companions discerned that this was the Lord's calling. And that's where we need to be too. Um, I was going to talk, share this funny story about how when I got married, my wife and I had like a 30-year plan. And I just like to plan. And now I just realize like that was so, so foolish. <laughs> 30-year plan is ridiculous. Um, but we do like to plan. We like to plan things out. Uh, we like to plan our days. Um, we like to know what we're doing every hour, you know, sometimes. I mean, I know I have my calendar all blocked out. And so are we willing to give our schedules to the Lord and say, Lord, if I meet someone on the street who looks like they need help, do I, do I stop? and help them? Do I talk with a neighbor who, as I'm walking by, says hello? And I sense that the Holy Spirit is nudging me to talk with them. And that, that happens a lot. These opportunities come and the Lord puts them in our path all the time. And if we're not paying attention and open to the Holy Spirit's leading, then they may pass us by and we might lose the opportunities that the Lord has given us. So my, my charge to you before Pastor Julissa comes up is to just continue to be like Paul and his companions. And even as you're going, just be listening for the Lord's leading, submitting our plans.
it's not always an easy thing to do. In fact, it's often more scary than just sticking with our normal plan because we don't know what the Lord is going to do. He might call us outside of our comfort zone and have us do something that we feel like, well, maybe my gifts and talents line up more over here, but, the, but I feel like the Lord is calling me to do this. Um, so the challenge from this passage, I think, comes, and as we move forward, is uh, to continue to submit our plans to the Lord and to expect the unexpected. Just expect unexpected ways that he's going to work, just like um, preparing a sermon and then just listening to so many wonderful testimonies and having to condense it into five-ish minutes. So I'm going to pass it over to Pastor Julissa, and she's going to wrap things up with her half of a half of a sermon. I'm not going to throw mine. Um, I don't think there's page numbers on it. All right. So... um, we're talking about Paul and Paul cooperating with the Spirit of God. And the thing that we share in common with Paul, among other things, is that Paul was given the same mission. The same mission Jesus gave to his disciples, right? He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And so here you've got a man with a great big mission going, how do I do that? How do I reach the whole world? And so as we saw in this text from Acts that Mark just um, explained for us, he had to cooperate, and so that, bring, that brings a big question for us, right? Like, how is it possible to cooperate with God to that degree? How is it that a man could literally traipse between two countries after being told not to preach to them and go to the next one because the Spirit of God had told him to? And so um, we find ourselves in this position where we're, we're finished with the gospel tool and the sermon series, but we're supposed to make disciples. And what's next? And how are we supposed to cooperate? And so as Mark and I were thinking about that question, I was led to um, the passage John 15, which is the vine and the branches, which talks about cooperating and remaining in the Lord. And so I'm assuming most of us have read this passage and heard things, but I believe the Lord has a fresh word for us for this season as we think about what's next. Um, And so I was going to do a nice little cute structure with this that brought it all together. But in favor of my four minutes that are left, I'm just going to walk through this with you, sort of Bible teacher style. So get your Bibles out, and we're at John 15, and I'm going to read 1 through 8. So these are Jesus' words to the disciples who have been given this same mission, and these are Jesus' words nearly before he left this earth. So this is a crucial time for them that matches up with our time. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Now, this picture of a vine is used all over scripture, but often vine refers to Israel as a chosen nation. But Jesus is changing it up here, right? He says, I'm the vine. So it's not about national identity. It's not about religious rules or parameters. It's about connection to me. I am your vine. So Jesus says, I'm the vine. And our father, his father, is the gardener that tends the vine. As a gardener, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So we've got two words here for cutting or pruning, right? But they're not the same thing. So that first word, cuts off, is the word arrow. Can everyone say arrow? Arrow. Okay, so arrow means to cut off. 
but it can also mean to lift up. So I want you to think about gardeners and when your vine goes somewhere where it doesn't get sun on the ground, what do you do with it? You lift it up, right? You put it where it gets sun. What do you do with tomato vines that are hanging out too low to the ground and the fruit's going to rot? They're too heavy. You lift them up. So our gardener both cuts off things that aren't bearing fruit because the first sign of a dying vine is no fruit. So you cut it off so it doesn't bring death to the rest of the plant or you lift up, okay? Now the second word for the the pruning is the word kathairo. Can you say kathairo? Okay, now this one means to cleanse. So you think about a vine dresser coming along and cleaning, cleaning off a vine to keep it healthy. This is what our gardener does for us, friends. He comes and he cuts off things that aren't bearing fruit. And it's interesting that he says that every branch that bears fruit gets pruning. That's illogical, isn't it, right? Like if I'm bearing fruit, if this part of my life is bearing fruit, why would you cut it? But the thing about vines is that vines are actually really unproductive if left to their own. They'll go too far and get to a point where they can't bear fruit anymore. And a good gardener knows where to cut a vine so that it continues to bear fruit. As a pastor that I really like to listen to says, pruning is not punishment. It's a reward for growth. And it produces more growth. So Jesus goes on, he says, You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So the word of God is what cleans us. It cuts off things that aren't holy. It refines things for us. The word of God has already made you clean, and the word of God continues to make us clean. And so remain in me as I also remain in you. This is a mutual thing. It's the the picture of Song of Solomon, right? Like, I am my beloved's and my beloved's is mine. We abide and remain in Jesus, and in response, he abides in his spirit and remains in us. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches, and if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Now we've got this word remain in here several times. It's the word meno. Can you say meno? Okay, so meno means to stay, but it's like you stay physically, you stay in time, you wait, you await. It's just this... What does it look like to tarry? Like that old word, just waiting, remaining in the Lord. In practical terms, remaining means slowing down. It does, yeah. Remaining means being in the word and letting it cleanse. Remaining means anticipating what the gardener is going to do and being okay when he comes to prune and clean and cut. Remaining means taking every opportunity and making every opportunity to encounter the presence of the Lord. So we've gone to discipleship group every other week, and it's born abundant fruit. Why? Because we're remaining in the Lord, right? We're remaining in his word. We're remaining in Christian community. 
And so as we go on from this season, remaining looks like continuing to do that, to give God space, the gardener space. If you remain in me, says Jesus, and my words remain in you, you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So somehow remaining is connected to answering prayer. Like that almost feels wrong to say, right? Like if you're remaining, then you get your prayers answered, but it's true. I think it was Charles Spurgeon who talks about um, prayer being the outburst of a life lived with Jesus. The more we remain in Jesus, the more he shares his heart with us the more his desires become our desires. And just like Grandma Mary knew that Max and Sarah were supposed to come here, and so that's the prayer that came out of her mouth, we now get to experience that fruit. We'd asked the Lord about discipleship here long ago, and we prayed and prayed and prayed, and here we are, discipleship groups. It's it's the prayer that comes true as you abide in the vine and you remain. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. So friends, this morning we celebrate the abundant fruit that the Lord has borne as we remained, as we abided, as we listened and we obeyed. And we anticipate much fruit moving forward. But as Mark said, all of this remaining and abiding really requires a surrender. Like you think about a vine that says, but I really want to grow this way instead. Or, I actually like this part, so I don't want you to cut that off. Um, Surrender. Consecration. It's what we see in all of you surrendering your time to be part of discipleship groups. It's what we see in Paul as he surrendered his will and desire to go to certain places and go wherever God leads. Um, And this is also why it seems like the next season the Lord is asking for is digging into consecration. And what it really looks like to be set apart and to remain in that vine and to grow wherever he goes. Um, And so this morning we celebrate this growing vine, the fruit that's already starting to bud. It feels about midsummer, right? Like we're seeing things, and we anticipate abundant fruit. And so I don't know about you guys, but I am so excited for what the Lord has in store for this body. Um, And so with that, before we go to sing some praise to the Lord, let's go to prayer again. Father God and good gardener, Lord, we bless you this morning for your work in in and among us. We bless you for the testimonies that have come out of this place. We bless you for the work that you've done, the work that you're continuing to do. And Lord, as we look to this next season, we ask that you would help us to remain in you. Gardener, we ask that you would do the work of pruning and cleaning and cutting off and Lord, we, um, we bless you for the fruit that you're going to bear as we continue to cooperate with you. In Jesus' name, amen.